Hello, and welcome back to the Kurt and Andy Educational Podcast. I'm your host, Kurt McNighter. Hi, and I'm your co-host, Drew Lazaro. So today's episode is going to be about the concept of being a reflective practitioner. And we're going to dive into that a little bit, the concept of being reflective. What's it mean? You know, the word practitioner, is that just an educational only term? But before we get to that, in the spirit of being uh, reflective, there's some things that Drew and I did want to clarify for everybody. One of them being that the show's title, the Kurt and Andy Educational Podcast, uh, is a little bit of a play. It's a little bit of a, of a joke on our names. And my name is Kirk McNighter, not Kurt Mac- McNighter. And Kurt was a, a name that as a kid, sometimes people thought that was my name. And as Drew explained uh, last week, you know, Andy is not his name. And that so, so Drew, uh, we did get some some questions about the title and the show. So what were some of the things that you uh, reflected on or heard about after the first show published on Monday? Well, I got a lot of feedback. My wife told me I sounded nervous, which was nice of her. But I think it has more to do with the fact that I just don't have that that smooth, calm voice that you do. You sound like you should be a DJ on some kind of jazz radio station. I, I just don't have that gift. <laughs> um, jazz radio. Yeah. Um, and actually, a few of my coworkers, some some of the special people upstairs, told me that from now on, they're just going to call me Andy, uh, which oh. was really nice. Um, so at least that means, well, they, they, at least it means they listen to the podcast. So uh, what are you going to do about it? Well, I guess I'm going to have to heed my advice from episode one and have a little bit more courage and correct them and tell them I would prefer not to be called Andy. Nice. Well, let us know how that goes. I will. I will. It'll be a weekly or bi-weekly uh, saga update with your name. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll let you know. They're they're really they're really special people upstairs. So I appreciate the help from them. So I, I did get a couple questions too. Um, family member of mine said, "What's the title for? Why why that title? You know?" And I said, "Well, you're going to have to listen to the episode to find out." So I pulled a little marketing on them. And then uh, my wife then listened to it. She goes, oh, well, are you going to change the title now? And I said, no, that's the title. It's the Kurt and Andy Educational Podcast. That's what it is. So wh- I, maybe that's confusing to people as if they just picked up an episode down the line, but that's okay. And it's good marketing for us. We can that's right. encourage people to go back to episode one. There you go. Little little review. So we wanted to clarify for anybody that's listening out there that this show is really for you. Okay. So it's if you've taken the time to click the button to listen to this show, which now we've put a little bit of work into it for you to make it easy for you to listen. So you can listen on Apple Podcasts, you could listen on Google Podcasts, you could listen on Spotify. And our goal is to give you the opportunity to be uh, reflective, uh, to think about something different, to maybe even spark some conversation amongst your peers, to, to be reflective and to spark some inner dialogue of uh, just thinking about what you're doing and why you're doing it. So the last episode, Drew, we talked about greeting and welcoming and validating people. Since that episode uh, was created and even dropped on Monday, have you had any thoughts on on that concept? As I said in the original episode, one of the things that I've really worked on is the way I greet people and doing so in a manner that uh, doesn't open up further conversation. You know, Instead of asking people how they are doing, I'm really trying to make a better effort to to say good morning and and also use their name and use it correctly as opposed to calling them 
uh, something that they don't want to be called. So, so this episode, again, uh, every episode, actually, we're going to try to follow a certain format. So Drew and I will always introduce the show, have a little bit of brief dialogue, maybe a little banter even. And then there might be a quote or statistic. We might analyze something, look into it a little bit, dive deeper into a word or concept, uh, share a few anecdotes based on the episode topic. And then we're going to have our guest interview. This week's guest interview is none other than the most famous man at Schomburg and Hoffman right now, Jerry James. So former art department chair of Schomburg High School and current 10-month assistant principal. He'll be joining us uh, a little bit later to talk about how he is a reflective practitioner. But with that in mind, Drew, what jobs have you had in your lifetime? I'm curious, what jobs have you been a practitioner of? And that will help people at home or listening here uh, to understand a little bit more about being a practitioner. So when you say jobs, are you, you mean specifically like I'm earning an income type job or just different hats that I wear? Since you were legally allowed to work, okay. what jobs have you had? I, well, I, I was a caddy. Probably before I was legally allowed to work. So I don't know. Okay. Yeah, a little, little under the uh, table cash. Right. Uh, I worked at Gene and Jude's Hot Dogs in River Grove. Uh, what did you do then? I served up hot dogs, made French fries. Again, I was paid cash though. So this is probably not something I should be talking about. So no social security benefits for Gene and Jude's? Nothing like that. No. Okay. Um, you know, I had my odds and end jobs in college. Uh, and then I started teaching here right out of college, legally. I get paid. <laughs> right. So you're a certified teacher. Right. That's good to know. So I also have had quite a few jobs. I was a Subway sandwich artist mm. uh, down here on Schomburg Road. Uh, that was one of my first jobs. I was a lifeguard for the Schomburg Park District. So shout out to SPD. I was a waiter for a long time at Max Nermas. I don't know if you ever ate at a Max Nermas. Never even heard of it. No. Delicious food. Incredible food. Now it's the Moretti's over there on Higgins. Oh, okay. Uh, I was a new car salesman. I sold Hondas, the Schomburg Honda New Car Salesman of the Month twice. But I've worn a lot of hats too. So again, the show is about being a reflective practitioner. So practitioner to me is anything that you claim to be. So you could be, you know, like what's your identity, right? So for me, I'm a father, I'm a husband, uh, I'm a coach, I'm an educator. So those are things when I think about if I'm doing, quote unquote, my job well, I'm reflecting on that frequently, almost too much. Sometimes you have to shut the brain down. So right. uh, how do you know that you're doing your job well? What's the feedback loop in your mind that allows you to self-evaluate? I mean, that's a good question. I, I, I too, feel as though I probably am too reflective and that I, I overanalyze and I run things back in my head. Um, a lot of times when I'm thinking about being reflective, I think about the job I did the way people reacted to that. The other thing would be to outwardly ask like, Hey, how am I doing? Or how are things going? But I don't think you always need to ask. I think that's something that you can kind of do on your own in your head. Do you ask for feedback often? Uh, I do. I like feedback. You know, I want people to be upfront and honest, whether it's positive or negative feedback. You know, I, I ask my students uh, through like Google forms and, and, and things like that for their feedback. I don't I don't always take their advice, but it's, you know, it's good to, to get feedback from them. Yeah, I get feedback from my wife and my kids. Probably a lot of times I don't ask. I just get it, you know. <laughs> sure. Sure. Um, but, but, you know, I, I, I'm always trying to be like the best version of myself. And so feedback helps, you know, and in, in whether that's being a dad 
or a husband or an educator, you know, whatever job I have at the moment. I like what you said that when you're being reflective as a reflective practitioner, that reactions are important to you. Because I think that we're all very sensitive to reactions and people's nonverbals, as everybody knows, you know, the old communication is 80% nonverbal. I don't, I don't have anything to back that up, but it certainly is valid in my life that when people are reacting positively to my actions, then I feel as if I'm doing well, right? But if I'm getting negative feedback or even last week's episode, if somebody's cold uh, or not welcoming, then you can't help but think about, did I do something wrong? Right. Uh, could I have done something better? Did I, did I hurt that person's feeling somehow? And I think that's just because we're all social creatures. So uh, I'll be curious how Jerry James uh, talks about this too, because he strikes me as somebody that is very reflective as a practitioner. So not only is he involved as an, you know an artist and an art teacher, but now he's jumped into the administrative world at a different building. So I'm just very curious to see how he responds to it too. Well, we'd like to welcome Jerry James to the episode here. So again, Jerry James is a former art teacher, former uh, art department chair at Schomburg High School and current 10-month assistant principal at Hoffman Estates High School. Jerry, welcome to the show. Welcome, Jerry. Kurt and Andy, thank you for having me. Or should I say Thaddeus and Anthony? Oh, you've been listening. I, can I just, like, can we start this episode by just saying that I, um, that one struck a chord, the uh, the name episode. As somebody, first of all, with two first names, I could easily join, you know, this could be Kurt and Andy with special guest Gordy, because I, uh, <laughs> I, there were many people in my life that would, you know, shorten Gordon to Gordy. Um, and then having two first names, I like constantly, I had a PE teacher that called me, who will rename nameless that would uh call me jimmy all throughout gym class <laughs> jimmy jimmy get over there and do a pull-up which was hilarious because i was like listen my name's not jimmy and we both know i can't do a pull-up so <laughs> oh jeez. well your name's very strong you know it's it's a strong name jerry james i appreciate that well keep up the good work gordy <laughs> so as andy is finding out uh now that people have our our nicknames out there some some grade school style name ribbing is happening but that's okay so called, yeah i've been called andy more in the last two weeks than yeah the last 30 something years i was called kurt today as well so on purpose you know people it's fine it's all good natured so it's a little different but maybe that's something we can reflect on there you go it means the people are listening so yeah that's good so mr james talk to us about being a reflective practitioner how do you go about that what's that even mean to you how do you know you're doing your job well, personally, professionally, talk us through your world a little bit. Well, reflection has always been something that was just a critical portion of my professional and personal life. And it goes, it, it interweaves in every single aspect. It, it definitely was part of my teaching. Um, a, a huge portion of my teaching was reflection um, in the arts because that's that's where most of our growth came from. So, you know, after it, obviously artwork is so personal and, and the more personal it is traditionally, the better. So we would have students, you know, look at, you know, how and why into the decision making and how, how did life events impact the decisions and the things that you put into your artwork. That's kind of been bred into me all the way through from undergrad work all the way through becoming a professional. And then I think education 
offers a lot of those opportunities as well. You know, new teacher programs when you come in are, are always about reflecting and growing and building. And um, it's something that's been a consistent, consistent part of my life. And, uh, you know, I think you mentioned, how do you know, how do you know when it's effective and impactful? Right. And I think sometimes one of the best answers to that is, you know, when it's not. So like, if I'm not reflecting on things, then they tend to pop up and cause issues or distractions. Or if I find myself saying like, man, I, I, you know, today's not my day. I don't think I want to be here today. Like today is just not going well. Then that usually, you know, spurs more reflection. So I think it's something, it's something so critical to my being that I don't become as aware of it when I'm successful, but I certainly know uh, when I'm not doing it. Do you seek out feedback regularly from people that you're close to or how, how does that work for you? Because because Drew had mentioned, you know, and we we're both people that value that feedback, you know, so so we do kind of seek it out. Maybe I don't know if that's normal. Right. I, don't, I, I haven't really had this conversation with people. So do you purposely look for feedback from your peers or from people you're close to or do you just wait for it to kind of show up? <laughs> uh, this, this is a great question. I think when it's something that I am invested in and interested in. So professionally, I do that more than maybe in some some other areas. But I think that's such a crucial part of the learning process is going out and um, soliciting feedback and reflecting upon others' feedback. And uh, that's that's an interesting that's a, that's an interesting question because when I was thinking about this topic, when I was reflecting on it, if you will, um, I was mostly thinking on how I reflect upon my own, you know, my own analysis. Like I think one of the things that I came across that was like the best description of how how I approach reflection, not to get like super technical, but there there was like a there was there was this critical thinking procedure by Terry Borton from like the 70s that was a really that like sums up, I think, exactly how reflection in my eyes is handled the best. And yeah, Terry Borton's piece like can be summarized as simply as what, so what, and now what? For me personally, like I, I view that as like almost like concentric circles of like, this is, this is getting deep. This is what happens when you get the art teacher on. Like yeah, it's great. For, for me, like each one of those is like a gate that my reflections have to like pass through. So so a very basic, like, what, you know, what happened? Like, what is, what physically happened to whatever I'm reflecting on? And then so what, which I think is like the most critically important step. It's there that you, you, you determine whether you're going to let this, this part of this reflection impact your growth or not. That makes Was this important enough to, for me to now act on? Like, was this, so was it, you know, this is where you assess it as, was it good feedback? Was it honest feedback? You know, the things that you're talking about from other people as well. I guess that's, that's a time that second level is where it's like, is this where, do I want this to impact um, how I'm going to act next? Was it that important? And then that third level of now what? So, so how is this going to change? How is this, this reflection material going to change uh, how I do things either personally, professionally, or in my future. And I, the reason I like that is because it allows you to kind of consistently reflect, which I think is one of the biggest mistakes uh, that people make is, is not having consistency in reflecting. Like if you, 
if you don't do it, if you don't schedule it in your life to reflect, then chances are you're only actually reflecting on the big things. You're only reflecting on like the one or two things that might have thrown you off or or that impacted your life, you know, traditionally in a negative way is, is what forces us to reflect. Um, but you you miss a lot of like the, the great little things that you might reflect on. And sometimes it's okay to just reflect on little things and maybe they end up not even impacting you or not making it through those barriers. But that's still an important part of the process to me. What's well, a great point in terms of building time in to do that. I know when I used to commute more, I valued that time driving. I didn't value the traffic and the random train that would shut the street down on West Bar the Road for an hour. But when I got a chance to just think it was good. And now I find myself using that time when I'm running by myself. I used to not enjoy running by myself ever. And now it is a chance to kind of just have that inner dialogue. We're finding too at home, uh, one of our dinner conversations, which is another scheduled time in our household that we dinner for us with our children is like a critical, you know, non-negotiable, right? So we schedule that in and then we we will ask the children and we also have to answer just three things you're grateful for from the day. And that gratitude forces, I think, some of that that reflection of like how they were doing as a student or how I'm doing as a parent or husband. You know, you just can't help but think about those things. So that's that's a great point. I, I love I love your driving analogy. I spent my first three years at Schomburg driving from DeKalb to Schomburg, 45 miles, 50 minutes each way door to door. And so that gave me a lot of time to do that. And I still have this habit and I find this like every once in a while, instead of listening to whatever, you know, radio or podcast or, or whatever's on in my car, like sometimes it just hits like a static station, you know, in between. Sure. And I like, I constantly just like come to, and I'm like, how long have I been listening to this static station? Like just, a, it's like so soothing and calming to me. It's like, I, I agree with you. It's a, it's a great time to reflect. Jerry, do you think um, you're like, has your reflective process changed from being a teacher to a chair and now to an assistant principal? Yeah, I, definitely. Because so you take that last step of now what, or what now, like how, how it, how you push out change in yourself. And so the, the thing is, it impacted different populations of people differently. So, so like my what now when I changed as a teacher impacted my students and maybe my colleagues. And then when I was a chair, my what now actions also impacted the adults in my department and, and what, what decisions we made. And, and so now that, that lens has widened again to when I make, when I reflect on how I'm going to change it, it impacts, you know, the, the people that I work directly with here, also students, also department, you know, departments. And uh, so, yeah, definitely, I would say that reflective practice has to change because the, you know, impacted populations change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just myself. I think what you're mentioning there, Jerry, too, makes me think about how <clears throat> as our lives change or our responsibilities change, that lens gives us a different empathy because we have new experiences. And something that I think about a lot is, do we have to have the change to be empathetic? Can I walk in your shoes without having to be forced to walk in your shoes? And I think that as a, just a culture, society, even just educationally, that we all would do better. We'd feel better if we, if we walked in each other's shoes just a little bit more. 
Yeah. You know, so I certainly empathize with you switching buildings, right? So I was at Hoffman my whole career, you know, obviously same for you here at Schomburg. And so I know what, what it's like, right? Just to go to a new building, you have to rebuild those relationships and reflect on, on how you're doing. It's been great. Even here, I'm sure you've built new relationships at Hoffman that just weren't possible before. And working at a different school gives you a different lens, right? You just have a different different view of, of the world because of your experiences having changed. So that's a, that's a consistent art question, actually, because it comes up all the time in like, do you have to be a tortured artist to make a great torch? You know, it's like based off of a conversation, one of my favorite movies, almost famous, like where he's like, do you have to be the sad songwriter, the, the torn apart artist to write the sad songs? Like, are they not as good if you don't live those experiences? And uh, I think there's a real fine line there, right? I mean, there's, I don't think you have to do it all the time, but when you go through those processes and when you reflect on them, and I think reflection allows me to expand on some of those things. Oh, I went through this today. Wow. Here's how, if I unfold this and look at how it could have been a bigger part of my life or impacted me differently, or something could have gone wrong or something could have gone better. And then I possibly see how that's impacting someone else. Like, oh man, that would take a lot more out of me than I think it would. You know, that's, I think that's how that, that empathy helps to almost project a bit. Um, Cause sometimes, yeah, there are some things you, you just can't feel it until you go through it. And then uh, sometimes that that works out. Well, I know I really personally appreciate your time and feedback and for you joining us on the show today. Drew, do you have any other questions or thoughts? Um, no, I, I appreciate it. I learned a lot through this conversation. I love those three simple questions that really open up so, such deep, deeper answers. You know, the, the what, so what, and now what. And, and that's, some, that's a tool that you can use kind of as we've, as we've said at any kind of stage in your career or your life. Well, I, I appreciate you guys having me on. And uh, being so open to to have these discussions, and um, I, I love love the new uh, Hoffman family. It's it's an amazing staff, but I of course always miss uh, miss all my Schomburg people as well. Well, you certainly missed here, and I've appreciated our time and conversations just throughout the last year and a half. So, thanks for all you do for our uh, community and our schools. Thanks, Jerry. Thanks for having me, guys. So, Drew, we're at the end of episode two already, and. The 20-minute mark has come and gone, so I do want to respect that time for people and not make our podcast exceptionally long, but I did enjoy our conversation today just with the two of us as well as with Jerry James. And as we said, we would do wrapping up with some takeaways for our listeners, I think is an effective way to conclude each episode. So what are a few things that you're taking away from our conversations on this episode? Well, I think a big mistake to make is to become static, that through reflection, we can constantly adapt and adjust uh, and become better people. To build on that, I really like the idea, uh, you know, you're saying to not be static, but also Jerry did mention that reflecting on the small things is really important so that we don't get blindsided by the big things and that maybe reflecting on the small things allows us to make some continual changes for the better, right? So that we're not surprised by big life events as much. Most definitely. And I, I think and I think a really simple tool to use to help with the reflective process is to use those three simple questions that, that Jerry brought up. The what, so what, and now what? I like those. I know I would love, I might even write them down somewhere and just keep them around because it really does allow you to evaluate what's going on in front of you. Most definitely. Is it worth your time and energy? Is it worth the investment? 
Something I have thought a lot about too is if there's no change, then there's no change. Uh, a lot of my former students and athletes have heard me say that, and you definitely cannot have change without reflection. You have to think about what you're doing and why you're doing it, which ties into those three questions. I also do like the idea of just jotting things down, setting a written goal. I can't remember who said it or if it's a quote or whatever, but so there's something about putting pen to paper. And when you write down a goal, it makes it real because you and I maybe could talk about a goal that we have, but when you commit to it in writing, it makes it very real and very permanent. And that's something I appreciate. Just walking into your office, you, you have goals and statements on the board right in front of you. You see it every day when you walk in. Yeah, I try when I, especially when something grabs me. So, uh, lastly, you know, the idea of gratitude uh, did come up early in our conversation. And I think it's important, even in our current environment, for us to be gracious and to have grace and to show grace and to practice gratitude. You know, I'm very grateful for all the work that people are doing every day in our school, outside of our school, and appreciate uh, a lot of the efforts that everybody's making to be flexible and to make connections. And uh, I'm very, very pleased with the work that we're all doing. So mm-hmm. any final thoughts for the episode, Drew? No, I think I think that covers, I think it was a good one. Uh, I really enjoyed listening to Jerry. Uh, I definitely have something to take away after our interview with him. Me too, me too. Well, out there, if you're listening, thanks for your time. We appreciate you tuning in. This was episode two, being a reflective practitioner, and we hope that you have a wonderful day. And if you took something away from this episode, that's great. So take care, be safe, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.